0: John chapter 2 this evening. We've been in 1 John now for a few weeks and have looked at several uh, of the passages. We're about halfway or so through the second chapter of the book and uh, tonight we get into kind of an interesting uh, passage of scripture. We're just going to look at three verses, verses 12 through 14 tonight. So if you're in 1 John 2, if you would stand for the reading of the scripture, if you're able to. If you're not able to stand, that's okay. Um, but we like to stand just because for a couple of reasons. One, it, it's a demonstration of our reverence of the word of God. And we believe that this is a, more than a book, more than man's opinion. It is the, the living, inspired word of God, and, and we want to give honor to the Lord and his word. Another thing that it does when we stand is it just kind of focuses our attention in what we're doing right here. So we're going to stand tonight, if we're able, and we're going to read 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse number 12, as John the Apostle here writes to uh, these people and, and addresses several different groups of people within the church. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. and ye have overcome the wicked one i want to preach to you tonight on the subject of children and fathers and young men let's pray heavenly father we do thank you for your word that is so powerful and so transformative lord your word that can take a a lost and hell-bound soul walking in darkness and shine the light of the gospel and, and and awake us to the righteousness of god and And, Lord, your word brings us to salvation. And then, Lord, after salvation, your word continually transforms us by the renewing of our minds. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for this book. We pray that tonight, as we open it and look within it, that we would be challenged, that we would be convicted where necessary, that we would be encouraged to walk in the light of your word and to grow in our love and knowledge Of our Savior. Just do your work among us we pray tonight in Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated. This passage of scripture that we just read addresses actually two times three specific groups of people, groups of Christians. These are saved people that he's addressing and he he, uh, in verse number 12 mentions a group known as little children and then He says at the beginning of verse number 13, he speaks to the fathers. He says, I write unto you fathers. And then at the end of verse 13, he says, I I write unto you young men. Then he goes back to little children and and fathers, and then young men once again. And so these are three very distinct groups of people, and he, he kind of turns and he says, this is the purpose for which I have written to you. This is why I've written to you, and this is why I've written to you. Now, it's important for us to understand that when he's talking about little children and fathers and young men. He's not talking about those that are just in that stage of life physically speaking. He's not writing just to, to children that are of a certain age in their life and, and to fathers, those who have children and to young men at a different stage of life. He's actually speaking of those who are spiritually children or fathers or young men. It's a reference to their their position, their, their stage, if you will, of spiritual growth. And, and in reality, we need to understand that each of us is at some point in a spiritual life. If you have been saved, you have been born again, and you started a new life at salvation in Christ. There's, a, there's the life before Christ, and then there's the life in Christ, but the life that is in Christ actually begins... At salvation, and so you could be 90 years old and accept Christ as your Savior and be spiritually a baby. That's what that's what you would be because you're just starting a new life. But unlike the physical life that we live, the spiritual the, the, the growth that takes place in our spiritual lives is not necessarily dictated only by time. In fact, there are people that are very spiritually mature but have only been saved a short while. There are others, however, that have been saved for many, many years and know the Lord, but are still kind of at that that stage of babes in Christ. And here we find John is addressing these different people, these different groups, and and I want to just take some time before we even really, uh, in future messages, will Lord willing, get into uh, this specific message that he's giving to them as, as these three distinct groups. But tonight I just want to uh, pause for a moment and, and focus in on, on this portion of the book and allow us to examine ourselves and specifically ask, and every one of us ought to be asking ourselves, in which group am I? Would I, would I fall into the category, spiritually speaking, of a little child or a young man or a father and so as we consider this i want to just talk about for a moment some of the characteristics of these different stages of spiritual growth notice he says here in verse number 12 i write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake and then at the end of verse number 13 he addresses the same group and he says i write unto you little children because you have known the father Those who are babes in Christ, spiritually children, they are characterized by two distinct uh, pieces of knowledge. Number one, knowing that their sins are forgiven. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be saved and know that your sins are forgiven? I'm so thankful. I I am so thankful for the knowledge uh, of salvation by grace through faith that, that it's not of myself, that it's nothing that I have done, but that Christ has saved me, that I have been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for my sins, and and my sins are forgiven because I I brought them to Christ, and according to verse 9 of chapter 1, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is a wonderful thing to know that your sins are forgiven. It's also a wonderful thing, as it's stated here, to know the Father. He says at the end of verse 13, I write unto you little children because ye have known the Father. In other words, you know that God is your Father. That's a wonderful place to be and I hope that everyone here tonight, I don't know your heart, but, but I hope that everyone here tonight can say with sincere confidence I know that I'm saved. I know that my sins are forgiven. I, I, I'm on my way to heaven. I have full assurance of that. I know that I am a child of God, that he is my heavenly father, and that he loves me. I hope that you can say that with confidence tonight. That is a a wonderful place to be. But let me say to you that that is not really the full picture of what God wants for us in our lives. He doesn't want us to go through life just knowing that we're saved. That's a great place to be. It's a good starting point, but it really isn't the completion of sanctification to know that you're saved, is it? Salvation is uh, elementary. It's, it, it is the, 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 the first fruits uh, of salvation is the knowledge of, of Christ and, and, and the assurance of salvation. And uh, there are basic principles which lead to that. And so it's a good starting point, but it's really not the fullness of where God wants us to be. Now, let me just say, if you are in that stage as a, a babe in Christ, maybe you're a, a, a child spiritually because you have not been saved all that long, that's okay. It is, it is an okay thing to be a child for a time. It really is. You don't have to know everything right off the bat. And Sometimes I, I, I've talked to new believers in Christ who have kind of struggled with the fact, sometimes they'll come in, maybe they don't have much church background at all, and and they kind of feel out of place. They don't know some of the the lingo, they don't know exactly what's expected of them within a church, and they just feel a little bit awkward, like they don't quite fit, because they haven't been around it their whole life. But I I want you to know, it's okay. We're all learning, we're all growing, and we're all at different stages. It is an okay thing to be a child. Uh, It's, in fact... It's a precious thing, and those of us who have children or grandchildren, you, you know this. It's a precious thing to watch our children, in their innocence, going through the process of growth and learning, isn't it? I mean, some of the cutest things that kids ever do are because of their ignorance. And, uh, it, but I mean, it's cute, mispronounced words or, or, or little you know, things that they do that just, they're cute to us because we know uh, they're, they're just at a stage in life, they'll grow beyond it. You know, my, my little son, uh, Philip is five months old now, and he's five months, right? Six months. He's a little baby. And uh, if you want to know his age, you'll have to ask my wife. But, um, you know, he's, he's little, and he's just not even crawling yet. He's trying. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to watch he's responding to his name now more than he has in the past. You say Philip, and he starts turning his head. He's looking for who's calling for him. And, you know, we we look at these things, and we think, oh, it's so cute. It's so wonderful. Now, if he is 20 years old, and still we're saying, isn't it cute? He responds to his name, right? Uh, Something's wrong. Because the idea is that it's okay to be a child for a time, but the expectation is that we're going to grow, and that we're going to mature, and that we're going to develop. And spiritually, it is no different. It is okay to be young in the faith and a babe in Christ for a period of time, but there ought to be some growth that takes place there. Now, again, I just want to reiterate that if you are a new believer in Christ, it's okay. You don't have to know everything right off the bat. I was reminded as I was studying this of... uh, a story, I guess we, we would call it a, a record of a, a man, a blind man that Jesus healed back in John chapter nine and when when he healed him the uh, the Pharisees were very angry that he had done so and, and uh, because anyway um, they' they're asking him about Jesus and who healed him, who saved him, if you will. And it says in verse number twenty four of John nine, then again called they the man. That was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. They're speaking of Jesus. And it says in verse number 25, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. <laughs> this man hadn't quite figured out yet. The, even the doctrine, of the, the, the doctrine of Christ's deity and his, uh, his holiness. But he knew this. He met Christ, and everything changed. And the truth is that when you first get saved, you may not know all of the ins and outs. You may not be able to quote every scripture or even point someone else to the scriptures that, that someone used to lead you to Christ, but you'll know this, that your sins are forgiven, you'll, that you're a child of God, and you'll be able to say, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see, and Christ changed me. That's what I know. That's good. It's a good thing. In John chapter 4... That Samaritan woman at the well, after she had heard of the preaching of Jesus and and, and his testimony of himself as the Messiah, the Bible says she left her water pot, she went into the city, and she told the men of the city a simple message. Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She wasn't able to sit there and theologically parse out the Old Testament scriptures and show Christ in that. She just knew what had happened to her. And had a testimony that she was saved. And, and now she wanted others to be saved. Isn't that one of the first things that happens when we come to Christ? Is we want others to know what happened to us. And we want others to, to find the same thing that we found. Salvation in Christ. And so it's okay if you're a babe in Christ for a period of time. And you, you know the Lord. You know that he is your father. Jesus said in John 27, my sheep hear my voice. We heard that just a couple of weeks ago the shepherd and the sheep. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So there's a relationship there. When you first come to Christ, there's that relationship. I know the Lord, and he knows me. I'm his, and he's mine. But again, it ought not to stop there. The, the little children, that should be a, a period of time, that but we, we ought to grow beyond that. And for, interestingly, he flips from the little children to the fathers now in 1 John 2, and he, he speaks directly to those who would be more the aged, those who've been down the road a ways. There's some experience there, and, and, and they're spiritually mature. Spiritually, they're, they're fathers. They would be those that are looked to as the, the leaders within a church. And he says in verse number 13, I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Interestingly, he says the same thing. In verse 14, I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Now the children were characterized by the fact that they knew that their sins were forgiven, and they knew that God was their father. But now these, these more aged, spiritually aged men, the, the Lord would say to them, you are, you are a father spiritually because you have known him. That is from the beginning. In other words, not only do you know that God is your father, but there's a relationship there and there's some history there. You, you've been down the roadways, and, and and you know Christ and, and you've been walking with him for a time. The knowledge of God ought to be our highest pursuit in life. If you've been saved for any length of time, immediately upon salvation, your primary focus should be, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to grow closer to you. I I want to have that that closeness and relationship with you, where not only do I know about you, but I know your heart and I hear your voice and 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 I'm in fellowship with you and I'm drawn closer to you. Paul talked about that in Philippians chapter three. In fact, let's let's go to Philippians three, if you would. Uh, Philippians chapter three. And <clears throat> Paul speaks of his really his his highest call he said in verse number 8 yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord I've left everything else behind with one pursuit in mind I want to know the Lord I want to know him Verse, uh, the end of the verse there he says for, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things isn't it interesting he didn't say I mean you would think maybe someone says I, I've, I've, I've lost everything everything that was once important to me I lost it all and maybe you would think he would say but you know I guess that's okay because Christ is a little better he didn't say that he said I, I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Everything that once was important to me, now it's not just not that important. I've forgotten everything that mattered to me before because one thing now consumes my thoughts and my attention and my focus in life, and that is I want to know Him, that I may win Christ. Notice he says in verse number 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Verse 12, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? In context here, it's not some great eternal reward that awaits us. The, The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus is the knowledge of Christ. That's the context here, that I may know him. That I may have a a, a fellowship and relationship with him. Now here Paul, that great apostle, we would call him a great apostle. He would call himself the, the chief of sinners. Less than the least of all saints, he said. But he says, this man who's been walking with the Lord for some time and literally has lost everything in the pursuit of the Lord, he says, I haven't arrived yet. Not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect. I'm not... Preaching to you as one who claims to have arrived yet. In fact, I won't arrive until I'm in the presence of the Lord. And at that time, then I will be perfect and complete and whole. But up until that time, I'm pursuing passionately the knowledge of God and a relationship with him. Spiritually mature people are people who know the Lord and seek to know the Lord. And so the children, it's, a, it's an okay place to be for a time that you just know that you're saved. Good for you. Praise the Lord. But there comes a point that you need to be pursuing after him and seeking after him. That ought to be our, our great desire. And then he turns and he addresses the young men, those kind of in between. They haven't, they haven't arrived at the knowledge of God yet quite like the fathers have. They don't have the same experience. They haven't been down the road quite as far. But these men, listen to this, back in 1 John 2, he says in verse number 13, I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. He said, I'm writing to you because you are the people that are experiencing victory over sin in your life. You've overcome the wicked one. Look at verse number 13, or 14 rather. I have written in the middle of the verse, I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. So this this age of, of young men, spiritually young men, this is characterized by strength and victory. If you can imagine for a moment this, this picture in your mind, physically speaking, of a, a small child full of energy and life and excitement and innocence, but yet they're not all that strong yet. They're still dependent very much on, on their parents and, and those around them to, to support them and care for them and even protect them because they themselves are not able to care for themselves. They're they're children. But then you go to the other side of things, and no offense to anyone here, but as folks get up there in age a little bit, they get older, they too become a little bit more feeble. A little bit less. You you start to lose strength over time and and abilities. But when you're in that kind of middle ground, this young man, think of this uh, men who are in their maybe late teens and 20s and and early 30s, you, you, they're, they're kind of the picture of, of strength. It's the prime of life. It's that time where they're, they're at their strongest, their healthiest, and, and their best. And one of the things that young men do is they, they fight. They overcome. Right? They're competitive. When we, when we send our troops off to war, we don't send our children, but we also don't send our elderly, do we? We send our young men. Because young men are characterized by strength and tenacity and and overcoming. And actually, there ought to come a time in your life spiritually where you begin to experience that. Where where you grow beyond just the the simple basics of the Word of God. And and you mature beyond that point of of being a spiritual child. And though you have not the experience of the, the spiritual fathers, those who've been down the road farther than you have you ought to be experiencing some victory. You ought to be experiencing the word of God actually making a difference in your life and and purging out some old things and and bringing in some new things. And there ought to be a a change in your life that is taking place as you are overcoming the wicked one. Now, I don't believe we ever again reach that point totally where, where we're free from the need to be overcoming, but... But quite honestly, when we come to Christ, we come with a lot of baggage, don't we? And there is a stage in our our growth where the Lord begins to purge some of those things out of us. I want you to notice, though, that it says there at the end of verse number 14, he says, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. How do we get strong spiritually? How do we begin to overcome and experience victory. It is through the word of God. It is as his word begins to take root in our lives and actually begin to saturate us and soak in and change us. Psalm 119, verse number 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Then just two verses later, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. In other words, as the Word of God begins to saturate and fill us, you know what happens? We get spiritually stronger. We have the strength to overcome, to overcome temptation, and and overcome the wicked one. Folks, I just have to say, I'm sometimes discouraged when there are people that I try to help, that I, I love and I pray for, and I try to counsel them and help them and they've been saved for a long time but they cannot honestly say that they are yet in this stage of overcoming and the word of God maybe they even know it in their head they're, they're familiar with it they've been around it long enough but but it hasn't begun to abide in them notice he says I've written unto you because you are strong the word of God abideth in you that means that it, it it's not you don't just know about the word of God, but it's part of you, and it's it's being lived out in your life. There was a man that I was talking to some time ago, a man with a a, a pretty clear testimony of salvation, who said to me, and he's actually said this to me in different ways on a couple of occasions. I read through the Bible once. But I haven't read it in I forget how many years he said. Thirty years? Because he said, I really don't feel like I need to. I know what it says. <laughs> how many of you know that that's not that's not how the Word of God works? <laughs> you don't just it's not like a regular book that you just read it once and now you know what's in it. You know basically what it says. And no, this is a this is a living book. And every time, and I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible, every, every word in the Bible, quite a few. But there are many places in the Bible I've read even more than that, you know, over and over and over. And, and yet, for some reason, <clears throat> every time I go to the Word of God, there's something fresh for me. There's something that, that just, <clears throat> maybe it's something I knew before, but now it actually hits home with me, or, or maybe it's something that I just kind of forgot about, <laughs> Or, or maybe I just start to see it in a slightly different light than I had seen it before. But I'm just telling you, every day the Lord comes to me with, with some fresh food. You know, something that it's, it, God doesn't give us, feed us leftovers when we come to him, you know. If we come seeking truth, he gives it to us. And it's, it's a blessing. It's a, a living book. But listen, if we are going to actually let the word of God transform us and change us and give us the ability to get victory and overcome... It's not enough just to read it, not just to know what it says, but we've got to internalize it. It needs to abide in us. It needs to live in us. And the Word of God needs to change us. I ask you tonight, out of love, please understand, I'm not in any way criticizing or or trying to put anyone down, but out of love tonight, I just want to ask you, when was the last time that the Word of God made a difference in your life? That, That you actually picked up this book and you read it, And the Lord spoke to you about something and you allowed the word of God to change you. Is that something that's happening in your life consistently? If not, something is wrong. Because that's what it's for. This is not a book primarily of information. It's a book of transformation. That's what it is. And for us to be hearers of the word but not doers of the word, the Bible says we're deceiving our own selves. We think that we're better off because we know what it says, but unless we're allowing it to abide in us and, and change us, as long as long if we're not meditating on it and, and, and thinking on the Word of God and, and letting it shape our decisions in life, we're actually self-deceived. So young men are characterized by strength and victory and overcoming. Another thing that I would like to point out about this, and in fact, let's hold our place here and go to the book of Hebrews, if you would the Word of God and how it affects us and, and how we ought to grow in Him. I want to look at the, the kind of the process of, of our growth tonight. Notice in Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 12, there's a bit of an indictment here on people who've been saved for a period of time but haven't really grown It says, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Most of us are probably aware that the word of God in a couple different places is compared to to food, spiritual food. And it's contrasted the milk and the meat. And the basic principle is this, milk is something that is simple and, and easily received. I, I mentioned our son Philip a, a, a few minutes ago that he's six months old and uh, that he, he lives on a steady diet of milk. You know why? Because he can't receive anything else. In fact, the other day we were eating some really good spicy stadium broths. I got from Brother Bill, and I said, uh, Philip, why don't you take a bite of this? And I cut off a piece, and no, I couldn't do that. Why not? Because first of all, he doesn't have, he's only got one tooth, and it's not even all the way through. He couldn't chew it. And even if we could find a way to get it palatable for him so that he could swallow it without choking on it, it would hit his stomach, and it would start giving him pain in his stomach and cause all kinds of problems. Because his body isn't yet ready to digest that food. So he has to live on milk. And this is the the illustration that we're given in the word of God about the word of God. Some of it is, is milk. It's simple, basic principles that anyone ought to be able to receive and take in. And there's nothing wrong with milk. But there comes a point where we need to graduate from only a diet of milk to be able to receive some Things that are a little bit more challenging, a little bit deeper for us to understand and, 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 and to digest in that way. And so this is what it's talking about. He says that here in Hebrews 5, When for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. But then listen to this, verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness... For he is a babe. There, there is a period of time in your life as a Christian that it's acceptable for you to need to live on a diet of just milk. The simple basics of the word of God. A lot of times when someone comes to Christ, depending on their background, we'll, we'll take them through a series of Bible studies on just the basics of the Christian life. You know, what it, what it means to have a, a walk with the Lord and and, and what the Bible says about church membership and attendance and tithing and just basic principles. The, the things that are normal and natural for, for God's people, but we ought not to live there. We need to grow beyond that and come to a point where we can start getting into the Word and being fed by the Word and even receiving some things that maybe someone who's newly saved would struggle to understand. Everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Listen to this. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to, to discern both good and evil. You say, well, how do I go from being a babe in Christ to being more spiritually mature where I can receive the meat of the word rather than just the milk? Very simple, by reason of use, get into the Word, read it, study it, and I'll tell you this, you won't understand everything right away. I've been saved a long time, I've been studying the Word of God a long time, and there are things, I'll just be honest with you, I'm not sure I fully understand them yet, but I'm learning. Uh, one of my boys, a few years ago, I don't even remember which one, but he uh, he had gotten all excited about reading reading his Bible and picking a book of the Bible and just, you know, reading through it. And, and I think the book that he picked was Ezekiel. And I said, you know, I mean, I'm I'm happy that you, you're wanting to read the word of God, but maybe, maybe we should pick a different book. <laughs> because I think you're going to get more out of some of the other ones, you know, if we were to point you, for instance, to the, ...to the Gospel of John or 1 John, maybe like we're studying here... ...or some other places that might be easier for you to, to read and actually grasp some things. But as you, if you really want to grow, you've got to be in the Word of God and study the Word of God... ...and by reason of use. There's a couple other things I want to point out about this. First of all, I want you to notice <clears throat> that it says here... "...for when for the time ye ought to be teachers..." In other words, there's an expectation here. If you've been saved for a certain length of time, and I don't know how long that is, but, but it's just kind of expected. You should have grown by now to a point where you are able to teach others. Because what, what we have in the Christian life, it's not all about us, like we heard this morning. It's not all about us. In fact, one of the primary reasons we've been saved is so that we can disseminate the gospel message to other people. So that we can turn around and teach other people. And, and, and we ought to grow to a point where we're able to teach others, to disciple others, and, and help them to grow. And so that's kind of expected. But then notice also, he says, one for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. In other words, you've heard these things before. You're not just a babe in Christ because you're a new Christian. But in verse the end of verse 11, he says, you're dull of hearing. And then there's another phrase that kind of stands out to me. At the end of verse 12, he says, "...and are become such as have need of milk." It's almost as though these people had reverted back. <laughs> that's something that's a little bit different between the physical life that we live and the spiritual life, isn't it? In the physical life, we really can't control it. I mean, we, if, if everything's just going as it should, you're born into this world growing. And you, you go through this life, and you're constantly aging. You're going through growth, and, and, and you can notice changes, but you don't go backwards. You don't revert back. Spiritually, though, did you know we can actually revert back? We can actually go from a point of being strong and walking with the Lord and overcoming sin and, and, and having victory to all of a sudden, because of some sin that we allow in our lives, or we get away from the Lord, and pretty soon we revert back to be like one of those that we're become as those that, ...have need of milk and not of strong meat. An interesting thing. So you say, well, how do I really know? What can I... uh, What is the difference, you know, between uh, meat and the depth? And how do I know what I'm ready for? Well, I want you to consider this with me. First of all, part of it is, obviously, what we receive and understand. And, And is the Lord speaking to us from His word? Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use... Have their senses exercised, listen, to discern both good and evil. Are you able to, do you have discernment in your life? Is there discernment from the word of God? When, when you're presented, for instance, with a, maybe some <clears throat> Bible teaching or some teaching that you've never heard before, are you able, by the word of God, to discern whether it's truth or error? Strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So discernment is a mark of spiritual maturity. Another mark of spiritual maturity would be holiness versus carnality. Paul talked to that church at Corinth and about their need for milk. He said that, that he had to speak to them as unto babes in Christ... And he said for a year, yet carnal. And he talked about the carnality that was going on in the church there. And, and I just want you to know, you're not a spiritually mature Christian if your life is a life of carnality and fleshliness. So there's discernment and there's holiness. But think with me on this as well. One of the key differences between a baby and a mature adult is not only the food in itself that we can receive, but also our ability to feed ourselves. You know, a baby is totally dependent upon their parents to feed them, to prepare the meal, and, and, and make sure that they have food to eat. As, as people get a little bit older in life, our, some of our boys are learning uh, to feed themselves. Isaac was about three years old when he learned how to make a cheese sandwich. Early one morning, we woke up smelling smoke in the house. And I went to investigate, and I found Isaac trying to unwrap a slice of American cheese. And I said, what are you doing? He said, making a cheese sandwich. About that time, toast pops up out of the toaster, looked like it'd been burned about three times what it should have been, it was as black as most of your suits out there. And he takes that toast out of the toaster and puts the cheese on it and starts eating it. He goes, you want me to make you one? (laughs) No, not so much, son. But as they're getting older, they're learning to cook and, and prepare some meals and things like that. And, of course, once, once you're an adult, you kind of are responsible for that for yourself. And you might occasionally partake in a meal that someone else prepares and makes for you, but for the most part, you're responsible to make sure that you are fed. And I believe it's important if you're a, a Christian that's been saved for a while... You need to learn how to feed yourself from the Word of God. You know, it's a good thing to come to church and be fed. All of us need that. We need to be able to come and sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God and be fed. No matter what stage of life you're in, you need that. We all do. But you can't just rely on that. You can't just depend on someone else to set the table and prepare the meal and set it out in front of you and hope to be fed. And grow. You need to grow to a point in your life where you have a walk with God, where you can get into the Word of God and be fed by Him and challenged and convicted. And and really, what happens here from the pulpit should really just be icing on the cake of what's going on in your own life. Don't rely on others to do all the feeding for you. And so, strong meat belongs to those who are grown spiritually, who have the Word of God abiding in them. So we see this kind of progress that takes place. Children and then fathers and young men. But then as we go back to 1 John chapter 2, I want you to notice something. He says I I write unto you fathers, I write unto you children, I write unto you young men. And then right away in verse number 15, we're not really going to focus in on these verses tonight. But I want you to notice it starts with a command. And he says, love not the world. In other words, children, love not the world. Amen. Fathers, love not the world. Young men, love not the world. Now, wait a second, John. You just, you just identified three distinct groups of people that you're addressing this message to, and now you're going to give us all the exact same message? <laughs> Yeah, because the word of God applies to each of us individually, equally. You might be way farther down the road spiritually than the person you're sitting next to. But you need the message just as much as they do. The word of God is very broad and it applies to all of us. And we might be at different stages. But the spirit of God makes that application to our lives by his word. And the message is the same, get into the word of God, study it, allow it to become part of you, that you would grow, that you would grow in your discernment, that you would grow in your holiness, and that you would grow in the knowledge of God, and that you would keep your eyes fixed on him, loving him, and not the things of the world. So tonight I want to ask you a very simple but direct question. Where do you stand in your spiritual life tonight? Are you... Can you honestly say that the Lord has worked in your life to such a degree that you would fall into that category of the fathers? That you know that... Not only do you know that you're saved, and not only have you been through a life walking with the Lord, you've experienced the victories that are given as you walk with the Lord, but you you just are just continually growing in the knowledge of Him, and you just have a strong, solid relationship with the Lord. Can you say that tonight? I really don't know at what point in my life I'm going to consider myself there. I still have a lot of things that I need to deal with, you know? There's still a lot of purging that the Lord is doing in my life. There's still a lot of growth that I need. I think most of us could say that. Could you consider yourself spiritually a young man? One who, yeah, you maybe don't have it all figured out yet, but you're growing. You can look in your life and you can point to victories. You, you can honestly say that that, you are, that you've moved beyond some things that maybe you struggled with six months ago, a year ago that your knowledge of the Lord is greater than it was, that you're stronger spiritually than you were because you're growing in the Lord? Or would you say, you know what, I've been saved for X number of years or whatever it is, but the truth is I'm still kind of like a babe in Christ. I know I'm saved, but that's about all I know. Can I just encourage you to seek to grow in him? To ask the Lord to help you to take the next step, to, to start to get into the Word of God and digesting it, let it change you and influence you and transform your life. And then, of course, I never want to leave out the very real possibility that there are some that are sitting here tonight, regardless of your background, that you may not be in any one of these categories because you've never even been born into the kingdom of God by salvation you're on the outside looking in you don't know that your sins are forgiven you don't know the father because he's not your heavenly father and tonight if that's you I just want to encourage you there's no reason to delay or or to wait to receive Christ today is the day of salvation now is the accepted time and if, if you are not a child of God, you don't have that assurance of your salvation, you don't know that your sins are forgiven, can I just implore you? Don't turn away. Don't put it off and wait for another day. That day may never come. There's not one of us here that's guaranteed tomorrow. And so get that settled with the Lord tonight and, and, and enter into His family and you'll... You'll begin to experience these stages of growth that he would have for each of us. But let's take this time and just go to the Lord in prayer. If you'd bow your heads with me and close your eyes and stand with me tonight, we'll, we'll pray. And I'm just going to give you an opportunity to take some time and let the Lord search your heart. And show you where you stand before him. Every one of us here tonight needs to grow. But are you willing to be honest with the Lord and let him show you where you, where you are so that you can understand how you need to grow? Let's pray. Heavenly